With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. I'm your host, Steve Napoliton. This show is for C-level executives, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and speakers who have found success, but they don't have the life that they want. On this weekly show, we're going to be talking about business skills to have more business while we design our ideal life and have more life, more business, more life without sacrifice. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. And today I have my special guest, uh, Kasim Aslam, and he is one of the top Google paid advertising agencies in the world. And we're going to talk about how he got there and all the things, the ups and downs. Uh, as a young entrepreneur, he was uh, working multiple businesses and even his digital agency had eight different service providing situations that was causing him to work all the time when I met him running around and becoming a new father at that time not feeling like he had the life that he wanted. Fast forward to today, his business is doing better than ever. And like I said, top in the world, creating more abundance while he is spending time with his kids every single day, going and playing soccer every afternoon and being able to build the best business ever. How did this happen? That's what we're going to dissect. What was the transfer from becoming this workaholic entrepreneur to now being this awesome dad? Let's jump into this podcast. Chasm, it's so amazing to have you on here. I think this show has been a long time coming. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Steve. Excited to be here. It's my it's my pleasure. So, you know, as I probably said in the intro, I mean, you're one of the top Google ad agencies in the world, and it's amazing to have you on here. And I want you to share a little bit about, you know, where you are and the success you're having, and then we'll explore all the the ways that you got here. But I do remember meeting you at Digital Marketer at their uh, headquarters there in Austin, and uh, you and I just hit it off. So it's one of those things in the world when you know people really care. I mean, that's the thing I think about you. I th- probably that's br- brought you to your success, but I'll let you explain because when you really care about other people's businesses as a service provider, you're going to provide the best service possible. And I would bet just from getting to know you, that's one of the reasons you're one of the best in the world right now. I, well, I appreciate you saying that, man. That's, uh, that's kind. I think empathy is the most powerful word in the English language. And I think that if this gets a little woo and maybe feel free to throw something at me if I start to just get Well, no, we can do that here. I think, you know, we're we're the more business, more life people. So we do talk about life. It's important. Go for it. So, you know, getting mildly dramatic, I don't believe that you can advertise to somebody that you don't, you don't genuinely love and love with a capital L that word scares people. So use it, you know, insert different word here if you want to, but you have to really care about someone because you have to know you have to understand them. And if you understand somebody, you're going to fall in love with that person. Where are they going? What are they afraid of? What do they want? What is their past? What, what pain have they experienced? You know, what moves them? And you end up kind of following in love with these prospects as you build, as you build something that helps transition their life. Because that's all marketing is. You're explaining to somebody how I'm going to change your life. Stick a gum, house, car, whatever, like whatever is I'm selling you, PPC services, you're explaining to somebody how you're going to change their life. And what's interesting about what we do is it's very meta. Because I help people help people. You know what I mean? Like I'm connecting the person with a question to the person with an answer. And there's a responsibility there. You know, like, again, I don't mean to be super dramatic. It's not like a sacred trust, but in some ways I feel like it is. And the person that I feel like I'm serving isn't necessarily my client. It's my client's client. It's the end result. So if you go searching for a plumber and I'm not repping the best plumber, I just did the world a disservice, right? Because we all know like like a bad service provider can actually ruin your day or your week or your life. So 
I, I think that that mentality has played a lot into just the way we approach people. And I think that that's been, you know, kind of helpful. It resonates for sure. Well, yeah, because then you can, you're having success with success. And that's what probably lifts you to this high level of success that you have. You know, Giovanni and my team, we all talk about this all the time. Some of you know, Giovanni Casals has been on the show and he helps me with this show. And the reason I bring it up is one thing that we do together is socially conscious businesses. That's who we like to serve because we're servicing businesses as well in a totally different way. But the thing that we know is that we're good at what we do. We're really good at what we do. So if I'm going to work with someone, they're going to have more success. And if they're hurting the planet or people, then I'm, I'm helping people do things that I don't want. So it's become really important for us to know who we're helping to make sure that they're doing good for the planet and people. Otherwise we're putting our energy towards some darkness. Mm. So, uh, you know, so I don't know, because what you're saying is exactly the same. I'm saying, you know, like if you send a bad plumber somewhere, then that's creating a negative effect, right? So how do you go about that? How do you choose your clients then? It's, 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 gosh, man, it's so difficult sometimes. I, I don't like to be, I don't want to be a censor. I don't want to make moral judgments on other people's behalf. So what I like to do is just approach it and say, if I were in this situation, would I want to work with this person? And then sometimes it's like, you know, if it was my mom that was calling or if it was my wife or, you know what I mean? Like who is somebody that I care about that I can contextualize here and just say, would I trust this person with this prospect? And, and to be honest, I didn't, I didn't start on the side of good. I started, especially as a young man, I was so, you know, I was very money driven. And so in my mind, I was like, it's capitalism, you know, it's, it's black and white. People want to advertise. What is it to me? And I remember I was listening to, cause you know, through Google ads, you end up having to track conversions. So we were tracking recording phone calls and I was listening to a phone call from a gentleman who was my client and he was doing some realm of financial services. And I'm trying to veil his identity and, you know, yeah. not rat anybody out, but I'm listening to sell this, this older couple on garbage. And, and these people are talking about investing their life saving, you know, this is all they've got. And he's like, and, and I didn't understand financial services enough, but he, he broke it down to me. He's like, here's where I make the most commission. These are the products that are the best for me. And I remember asking him like, well, what's best for your customer? And in his mind, he's like, that doesn't matter. Oh man. And I'm listening to this call, just trying to score calls for quality. And I'm, I'm listening to him some garbage and it just, man, it just put a knot in my stomach and it ate away at me. And that was the, that was the fissure. That was the crack in my you know, my, my evil capitalist armor and dude, I'm not bashing capitalism. I, I love it as a, as a, as an institution, but I think conscious capitalism is necessary. And then over time, as I've gotten older and a little more mature, it's just been a prerequisite for me to work with people that I, f- I feel for, and I feel like I actually have a mission beyond just how many deals we can close. Yeah. And I'm with you because, you know, when we think about capitalism, just to pick on that word for a minute. I mean, when you look at the United States of America and many parts of the world, small business is what drives things, right? And we forget about the little shop owner here and there and all these businesses. And it's really a handful of of gigantic, big publicly traded companies that have been bullies in the market that have caused the distaste and people like so bad that people are running away from it. But I think if you look at innovation, if you look at where things, you know, propel and how we work through our community, it takes that. Even when I've worked with nonprofits, they've respected me because I bring like a for-profit mentality because even nonprofits need cash flow. Mm -hmm. And if you just look at cash flow and if you're doing good in the world and you could support that sustainably, because what is sustainability? Bringing in a circle of movement of energy because money is just energy in itself, right? So we're bringing that through so that it can keep working. And so that takes some sort of, you know, capital, uh, capitalist mindset in some ways, right? Because you're still having somebody give money, even if it's a donation, how is that how is that circle complete? So I love what you're saying. And then we have to, I think I'm, I'm with you. I think we have, I don't want to overjudge as well, but I also have a responsibility. If I'm good at what I'm doing, then I'm, I'm not going to work with someone that I find is hurting someone. And so they might get through, maybe we don't sniff it out and then we see them and then I'll, I'll stop. I'll be like, Hey, you can't, can't do this. Or we won't, we, we would like not to help you with that. But most of the time now we've noticed it quicker. So I think, you know, yeah. even from your story right now, when you were doing the intake interview and they're like, oh, I don't really care about my client. I just want to make the most money. You're probably already like negative check mark, negative, check, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, 
And then that's going to propel. So going back to success, what I found is, and if you look at conscious capitalism, we actually interviewed Megan, I forget her last name, I'll have to look it up, but I'll put it in the show notes, but she was the creator of Conscious Capitalist Magazine. And you know, the thing about it is the numbers are in. If you go look at the data, and, and again, I don't have all those memorized, but if you go look it up, consciously, conscious capitalism, if you have that, they're, they're like 10Xing the other businesses. Oh, without question. Without, you know, I, I tell my students this, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I teach traffic in various capacities. And one of the things I say is I'm not really that much better than everybody else. I just, I just cheat. And I cheat because I just pick the winning horse. Like if you pick, you know, when you're driving traffic to an entity, if you're running PPC and they can't close the deal, they're not good. They have a bad reputation. People don't like working with them. Then that's going to fail and it's going to reflect poorly on you. So I make sure that I work with an organization that, you know, is going to show really well. And oh my goodness, look, the traffic works. And, you know, I get all the credit or, you know, most of the credit in those instances, but you just pick the, pick the right horse up front. And, and you're absolutely right, man. Like the good companies doing good work. 10X, I think is an underestimation. You know, like they're just, they're owning their spaces. Right. Which then comes back to your success. As you said, this comes back to what, when we first met, what was I talking about? Wow. Clients. Yep. When you only have your wow clients, you're going to outperform and we don't need to work with everyone. We just need to work with the right, the right folks. So I think this is, uh, you know, so did you, did, did this, I get, I guess this came back by, by trial and error, or how did you continually refine to pick the winning horse? As you said, like, how did that come about? Yeah, I, I, I was dragged into it kicking and screaming. I'm just, Steve, if you looked at the chronology of my, of my career, it's just been nothing but like failure after failure that has somehow led to success, but maybe not even necessarily by my own, you know, anything I can take advantage of. I just feel like I'm in some ways like blessed or being shepherded along. You know what I'm saying? Because when I started my, my, my agency, we were a me too agency. We did everything for everybody. And I was, that's why my, my agency's name is Solutions Aid. And that's why we're called Solutions Aid because we had eight core service offerings, which is basically like having eight businesses. It was an absurd way to run uh, an agency, but so many agencies are still in that space. You know, they're right. like, you know, video production, SEO, web, whatever. And over time, I realized I can't actually be good at all of this. Right. And it wasn't until I brought in a business partner who's, who's wicked sharp, much smarter than I am. And he's the one that identified, man, the people that are most successful and that stick around with this the longest, they're the ones that are successful on Google ads. So we started focusing on that and then making that a premier offering. And then one day we were just like, this is what we're best at. This is where we're going to live. And that lesson was one of the most important to learn. And I, I you know, mentors, business consultants, um, coaches, everybody had always said niche down, niche down, niche down. And I, I couldn't get past the fear of missing out on all those opportunities. And it took me 10 years longer than it should have. But man, now that I've done it, like it's, you're more scalable, you're more profitable. Life is easier. Business is easier. I'm not stressed out all the time. When my phone rings, I don't have a knot in my stomach because if you call me with a problem, I know how to answer it because it's within the confines of a box that I've defined as opposed to having eight service offerings when it's like, well, now I have to go learn video production today because my videographer messed up and I have to, I don't know. So yeah, yeah the niching down thing, man, that's been, that's been a really big, made a really big impact for me. Well, and that's huge. So let's talk about that a little further. So as you niche down, like when you brought that business partner on and did it happen really quickly? Like how, I guess, first question, how long did it take you to, to narrow? Like once you made that decision, was it really quick or did that take like another year or what, like, what was it like during the transition? It would have been faster if I listened to him sooner. Okay. Um, so, you know, I mean, founders, if you're listening, like pay attention to your people. I'm, I am the, the least intelligent human that works for my organization. And I'm really happy about that. I actually think that that's a skill. You know, I've just found a bunch of people that are smarter than me to, to, to do the stuff they're good at. Um, had I listened to him, it would have happened faster. He identified it early. The problem is, is for us, PPC was a loss leader. It was very margin thin. And so I never thought you could make money in PPC because yeah, I didn't realize that you could charge what we, what we ended up charging. It was just to show people clicks are coming, sales are coming. Let's go do all this other fancy stuff. And when he said like, hey, the guys that work in, in Google, they end up working long-term. We just took that as, okay, that's proof of concept for the business. And there's a lot of truth there because Google ads, if you think about it, it's the bottom of the sales funnel. It's the Coliseum. I'm going to throw you into the ring with all your competitors. And if you can come out as the winner, then you've got a good business, a solid sales process, good pricing. You know what I mean? Like it, it just proves all this, these other things these other facets. And so we started using it not as a service to make money on, 
but as a service to let us know, can this business survive in the competitive ecosystem? And as we started to get better and we started to see the opportunities that we weren't availing initially, that's when niching down became more and more viable for us. We, we had to charge more. And I'd say to answer your question directly, and I'm sorry, I took a long tangent there. Yeah. It was well, probably, no, but I think that was helpful to, for people to hear. Yeah. It was 18 months. It was 18 months from the point to where he goes, dude, like, let's just, let's go, you know, and, and he wasn't necessarily let's, saying, let's do only this, but he was saying, let's focus on this from that point to, you know, about a year and a half later was when we were just like, all right, we kept some of the other services for clients that we were currently servicing. Since right. then, we've completely phased it out. Right. I'll still do SEO for clients that are successful with PPC, but only after they're successful and only if they're the right clients. And that's because SEO and PPC are so tightly related. They're basically the same service through different conduits. Right, right. Well, and then it helps one another too, because if their right. SEO is stronger, then your your PPC game is going to go up too. It's going to, you know, so they, they serve one another and the PPC serves the SEO. It's like, it is symbiotic, but I can see how there's so many content-driven pieces that heavier. So it, could, it has to be the right client, right? Again, right. again, it goes back to that right client. So, so, and I love this, like, cause if you can be the best at what you're doing, which that's where you are now, um, you can charge a premium, but the results are through the roof too. So then it's worth it for the clients to spend that money with you. So by doing this, I hear what you're, you've been able to charge a premium. I've always said it, you know, if you think about hotels, just for a moment, you know, you look at the Ritz Carlton versus a Holiday Inn Express, you know, a Holiday Inn Express, you know, if it's the middle of the night, maybe you can get towels, you know, there's probably one person at the desk and you get towels. If you're at the Ritz Carlton, if you called for towels, there's someone for each floor, but you probably are not calling for towels because they already have a, a plethora of towels in the room. I mean, right there, but they're able to spend more on you because you're paying more for that room at the Ritz Carlton. And there's a lot of benefits from being the Ritz Carlton of what you are. And that's where you can provide this. So is that kind of what's come about? Now you're able to pamper your clients a bit more, but they're paying a premium for it, but your results are through the roof. So I, I, the way I contextualize this for my clients is it's dangerous to save money when you're investing in a profit center. If you're investing in a profit lever, so if you're, if you're spending money on something that's clearly an expense, then you know, feel free to be as, as miserly as you choose to be. But if you're investing in something that's supposed to be a profit lever, meaning for every dollar you give me, I'm going to go amplify the number of dollars you get back. That's a dangerous place to want to pinch pennies, you know, because I mean, I'm a fraction of your ad spend. So you're spending a hundred grand a month or whatever it is. And you want somebody to be really efficient with your hundred thousand dollars a month in ad spend. But, you know, we're going to go squeeze down on the person that's actually controlling all of those funds. And I'm a fraction of that. So when I tell people, you know, I might be the most expensive PPC guy that you talk to today, if you're, if you're gauging me by service, the only thing more expensive than an expensive PPC guy is a cheap PPC guy, because yeah. he's going to cost you so much money when it comes to the results that you're either, you know, not experiencing or, or don't even know what you're missing out on. So um, I think for profit levers, it's, I'm not telling you to go get the most expensive, go get the best. And generally those two things tie together pretty well, but, but you also want to get the folks that are specializing because the, the agency that's the most expensive, but comes at you and says, oh, I want to do everything for you. How good can they really be at everything? And I'm sorry if I'm throwing barbs at anybody that's, you know, friendly, but that's kind of my soft opinion. Well, no, and I think that's good. I mean, like the only people that I have, and I guess I'm kind of in some way that guy, but like being a strategist, like, you know, from over two decades of being in marketing, I can be the core, but I'll tell right. all my clients then I would be working with someone like you on, on PPC or different things like that, but we'll come up with the strategy. And I'm, I'm a firm believer when it comes to marketing, I want to echo what you're saying. It's worth investing. Like, and I even want to take it one step back. I say like, how much are you investing in your strategy? If people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, you know, like I would come out even before because people would come and say, Oh, what's your proposal? And I'm like, Oh, I don't do proposals. <laughs> I, I don't do proposals because they're like, what do you mean you don't do proposals? Well, I, why am I going to guess on what your marketing is? Even if I put like a whole week or two weeks of time with my team and we come up with the best idea that we think is going to be good for your business, I'm probably still guessing. The reality is I need to actually be hired, come into your business, really flush out what's going to happen. It's going to take me eight to 12 weeks 
to take all the data in and really find out. So you're looking at, you know, two months to a quarter to really come up with a true marketing strategy for your business. And yes, this is going to cost, you know, 50 to 100 grand of, of depth. You know, maybe I've done some, like the lowest one I did in years. And, and I only do these on it for a fraction of clients because it's not really my main, my main thing, but we're, you know, I do it for the clients that I'm already engaged with where they want more business and more life. And well, I guess why I'm, I'm echoing what you're saying, like you're spent, like you're saying, you're spending on that revenue generating lever and then you're guessing it. That's kind of like building a house without an architectural plan. Yeah. You know, you're liable to have some big problems. Yeah. Well, to <laughs> your point, so many people want strategy. They want the strategy for free. They think, oh, I'm going to go pay for the service, but the strategy should come like you said, prior to the engagement, and it'll be in bullet points, and it's probably a template. And that's such a perfect example of, of where you need a specialist. You need a specialist who, hey, I'm the quarterback, you know, and, and they think like, oh, the quarterback, you wouldn't send somebody out into a field that's, you know, like uh, the, the replacement player, you know what yeah. I mean? But, but they're, they're looking at the strategies almost as though it's, it's thrown in with everything else. And so, you know, you and I are in very similar situations. I think, you come first, obviously, being the strategist, but we're both in a place where you have to have the specialist to do the job. And there are a lot of people that are willing to do our jobs on the periphesis just to get inks, you know, on the page, just to get the, the, the contract signed, but they're not going to be able to do it as well. Right. And then it hurts more or yeah. someone in your position, you bring on a wonderful client, but they don't have a good strategy. We tend to end up helping them with that strategy. Just so we, like you said, if they're not going to have success, then you're not going to have success. So, you know, or, or we make those recommendations and that's where we, we help each other, you know? So I think that, um, you know, this is fascinating and, and what, how we got here is because of your own success you know, that's what we were talking about, right? Like, okay, so you choose, so let's just even recap so far. You're choosing the, the picking the winners, right? So what client is best for you? You've brought your business into simplification, right? Like working on what you do the best. And then, and then you've been able to culminate that into where you are now. And like you even said, business is simpler. And I remember when I met you, man, it's been years too. I can't believe how many years have passed, but you, uh, I mean, the thing that I think attracted our conversation is this whole more business, more life, because I know you've got your family and your kids. And I remember you looking at me in the eye and you had like three or four businesses, plus this business that had eight different marketing things. You were like, I couldn't believe. And you know what? I just even want to give you kudos. You even talk slower. Like, I mean, you were like, well, and, I, and I'm a fast talker. I'm a fast talker. You're a fast talker. But you were like so fast and you were like, so go. I felt for you because it was like, there was no stopping. So maybe if we can, like, I want to go back to where your success is right here, but let's go back to that moment. And cause this is really important for more business, more life. I think you were, you were struggling at that, that family business side. Would that be safe to say? Oh, dude, I was dying. Yeah. It's fine. I'm going to pander here a little bit, brother. And I hope you'll forgive me. Cause I imagine you get this a lot. Uh, but when I saw you speak, I was moved. I was like, I need to be in the room with that dude. Like whatever it was that you were on, I wanted some of it. I just loved your message. I love the way you showed up to the world. And so I hunted you down. I don't know if you know that, but like we didn't just end up sitting together like on accident. <laughs> I was like stalking Steve. I was like, I'm going to hang out with this dude because he's got something that I need. And what's, what's so sadly hypocritical, I don't know if you remember this, but you had this really awesome, this workshop and you extended an invite to me. And, and imagine the, the psyche of the human that goes through this process, okay? Because I'm talking to you about, I don't have any time for anything. I'm absolute margin thin. I don't know what to do. And you're like, oh, well, bro, I can help you with that. All you have to do is come to this workshop. And in my mind, I was like, I don't have the time for that workshop. <laughs> you know, is that is that old Buddhist philosophy where they say like, you have to meditate for 15 minutes every day. And if you can't, then meditate for an hour. <laughs> like I was in that zone where I was looking at the dates and I was doing the time and I was like, there's no way I'll ever be able to extricate myself from here. And what was nuts, man, is at the at then I was making more money than I ever made. And I had this financial threshold in my mind, like, oh, if I can get to X, I will be happy, you know, and then I'm going to be in good shape. And it was the, it was the least happy I've been in. And I can't say ever, but in some time, like I was just, I was stressed out. I wasn't the dad I wanted to be. I wasn't the husband I wanted to be. I wasn't the employer I wanted to be, you know, I was like driving people towards an end. I couldn't say no to any opportunity. And a lot of that is entrepreneurial PTSD. You know, I mean, I went through like just crazy, you talk about peaks and valleys, 
I used to roam around Costco with an expired Costco card, eating free trials. Like that was my lunch when my business after, after the financial collapse, my business just like failed miserably. And so coming from that, I just felt like you say yes, you know, if an opportunity is in front of you, you say yes to it. And so I ended up with, you know, I had a real estate investment company that was crushing life. We were killing it, but it was a massive draw on my time you know, Solutions 8, the core agency, a couple of little sub-brands, and then things that I was involved in is like either a consultant or an investor or whatever. And I thought it was, I thought that's what you're supposed to do. I thought it was like, oh, you know, you've, you've made it to this threshold. Now you have to, you know, play the Elon Musk game. And I mean, either that dude eats something different than I eat, or he's built differently than I'm built, or maybe I just don't want that life, but it was not, it was not an awesome place to be. And you were a, a, an inspiration for me to kind of start like sitting back and thinking like, what is it that I really want to do? You know, is this what happens in 10 years when my kids just know me as the guy that writes the check? You know, is that is that where I want to be? So it was a slower as with all things that I do. It was a little bit slower of a correction than I would have liked, but I couldn't be happier. I sold the real estate investment agency for not enough money, but it was it was a successful exit, which is an entrepreneur's like that's a nice little check mark. Yep. I, I hired an executive director for one of my companies. I touch it one half hour uh, a week now and I can probably touch it less, but I just enjoy chatting with her and, and guiding the light. I'm about to hire a COO of this company this year. And, uh, you know, I mean, when I'm busy, I'm busy because I want to be. Right. And that feels that feels good, you know? Yeah, what a drastic change. And thanks for sharing that. And a couple echoes and then bring me to my next question. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. I just want to give a big shout out to Pro Audio Voices. They help me with all of my podcasts and Becky and her team are just amazing. I've known them for years, even before I started my podcast. And that's why she was my go-to because not only does she help me sound great and produces the podcast so it's easy for me, I can do what I do best. I do the speaking and the interviewing and then they do all that background work to help get the podcast out there in the right way with the highest quality. But on top of that, what makes it most critical to me, for those of you that know me, wow clients are important, wow relationships are important. And working with Becky and her team is definitely wow. I get an amazing experience. I get to work with amazing people, a lot of love and hugs. Let's put it that way. So if you want to work with great people and you want to get a podcast out and you want to let go of all the technology and the way that it's recorded so you can do what you do best, then you definitely want to get a hold of Pro Audio Voices. And it's proaudiovoices.com and you'll be able to reach Becky and her team and be able to let go of all that stuff so you can do what you do best and then delegate the rest. I did the same thing. When I met my mentor, I got dragged to a workshop and I had, I was a new dad. And the whole reason I was a workaholic was because I didn't want to be like my dad. So I was working so hard to not be my dad. And it's kind of like digging a hole to get out of a hole. You just get deeper and deeper and deeper. And I didn't realize that I needed a ladder or a rope or something, not a shovel. That's not what I needed. So I was, I got dragged to a workshop. One of my friends uh, took me to. And then uh, I was trying to find a way to leave. I was like, how can I sneak out? Because it was a three-day event. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm showing up because she really wanted me to be there. And then I met my mentor and it was like, and I ended up staying and it was like transparent, but I would not have picked. I know exactly where you were. Like there was no way mm -hmm. I could give up three days of my life. And if I wasn't working, I was going to be with my son. But the reality is I would have worked. Right. So I would have missed another weekend with my, with my son yeah. and it took, it took a while too. I mean, it wasn't just an overnight change, but I started paying attention to my, my life for the first time. And, you know, so I'm glad, you know, wherever it is, sometimes we can pivot quickly. Sometimes it takes time, but I was also the second echo is that, you know, when I was younger too, you see all these other business people and they're doing all these streams of income. You hear multiple streams of income, get all these things. But what no one told us, uh, Kazim, is that we we are doing all of them at the same time and not one at a time, right? And then that's yeah. where we get stuck. And also you think about people like Elon Musk, how many teams does he have on each of those entities? Right. You know, and we're starting with like small bankroll, small team, and then we end up wearing all the hats. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I know it, it took me years to figure that out, like over 12 years, you know, over a decade. And then I, that's where it was the focus on one thing. And then that's where it takes us fast forward to where you are. You paired back. And even I, I remember I had a similar moment with a TV show and I lost a million dollars 
you know, signing off. It was three years of my life. It was miserable. And then I finally had to check out and it was a h- toughest thing I ever did. I had one thing to do the day that I woke up to quit that show. And it took me the whole day to call my business partner. So like, it was almost like 7 PM by the time I called and said, Hey, I'm out. And I had the email all written. So I sent the email right after that. And I still didn't feel okay. Yeah. I felt horrible. But then I went to sleep and then I woke up in the morning and it was like a second lung came in my chest that I didn't realize I, I was down a lung. I didn't even know. I was like, <gasps> I can, I can breathe more, you know? So it's, um, it's this. So, so coming to the question and I, I just wanted to echo all that because I, we're not the only ones like this is something yeah. that I think happens over and over. So thank you for sharing your story. So you, you come out of this. And it was like an 18 month process. Like, so what is life like now? You know what? Man, it's, I've made everything. I've adjusted everything on to live on my terms. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I love the mornings. I really, I get up at four in the morning and I've got an awesome morning routine. Um, I take a cold shower. I do Wim Hof meditation. I, I read, I, I just got this whole list, you know, think like how Elrod's miracle morning, yep. but for me, yep. And then I go, I go straight to work. So I'm usually in the office sitting right where I am now in my little chair uh, at around 530. And I get to work before anybody else can bug me, can talk to me, can, you know, you know, I don't have to meetings or calls or Slack or any of those things. And I do my most important thing, like my deep work and the things that really move the needle. And what's nuts is that's all stuff that I was never doing before. And so I thought like, oh, I have to work nine to five because everybody else works nine to five and clients expect me to be nine to five. I leave it like one or two. Like when we're done with this interview, I'm out and I'm going to pick up my kids and I'm going to take them to the park and we're going to play soccer. And that's what, since COVID started, I've been doing that every weekday where, I mean, every now and then an interruption will insert itself into the day or something distracts, but I pick them up, I take them to the park, we play soccer together and whoever wins the soccer game gets to decide what we do for the rest of the day. And they always win, even though they're three and five and I'm an assassin, but somehow. (laughs) Um, But like what I do, it's it's amazing because I spend every day, every single day with my kids I only work with people that I really care about or care for and little micro, man, I've gotten weird. So you just stop me, Steve, if I start to sound like a serial killer to you, but I timed how long it takes me to tie my shoes. It takes me 45 seconds a day to tie my shoes. And if you do that math, it's about four and a half hours a year. And so I have shoelaceless shoes and, and little things like I bought 13 of the same t-shirt. Cause I'm like, I don't want to mess around with what, and, 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 and it's not about being, Cause it used to be that I would do stuff like that because I needed to be hyper-efficient. Now it's like, I want to take everything that doesn't matter. I forget who the quote is from, but he says that which matters most should never be at the mercy of that, which matters least. It might be Stephen Covey. I just want to take everything that doesn't matter. And I just want to wipe it from the slate. And I just want to, I just want to get hyper, hyper, hyper focused on the things that really matter. And what's nuts is you make more money. You, you build better relationships. You'd like all the things where I was just like working really hard to kind of like force through, like if you just kind of stop and, you know, relax and, and, you know, and that's not for everybody. Some people hear 4am and they're just like, that sounds miserable. Right. You know, but for me, man, that's like, that's my jam. I love it. And, and my plan is to continue to back it down. I want to get up at four, be at the office by five thirty, and leave at 10 yeah. and just be done. You know, and, and, and somebody's handling all the stuff that need to be handled and I'm, I'm getting there and I see the path and it's just, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, that uh, is so, um, and I agree with you. If someone else doesn't want to wake up that early, then, uh, then let them do what they want to do. If they want to go to work at 10, you know, so, do that. so I, yeah. I love my mornings too, but I usually don't have a meeting till 10. So I have more afternoon meetings, but then I just enjoy my morning. And I noticed even having breakfast with my kids is more meaningful than dinner. Sometimes they're just like more chill. Yeah. They're like sitting there at dinner. They want to, they already have an idea of what they want to do. They just want to eat and get the heck out of there. You know, so, and maybe that's just the point I'm with, with my children at the age that they're at. So, you know, it, it totally, so just bring it like to your point, it, it's totally flexible. How do you want to yeah. create your day? If, if you wanted your whole morning and you played soccer with the kids in the morning, if they weren't at school, right, then afternoon you have meetings, who cares? But you're doing it in the morning. You're doing what works for you. And that's what's so beautiful. Yeah. And uh, to your point, I mean, my, my, my little guys are little now, you know, they're three and five going on four and six. Uh, this will change. And as their life changes, like when they're in school, I was the one picking them up from school every single day. Yep. It was a line of cars full of moms and me. 
And, and man, that felt good. You know, it felt good to be like, just to get to be there and to see these things and to talk to the teacher about the thing that Sammy just drew or, you know, like that was, uh, it, it was an experience that I would have missed out on otherwise had I not made that adjustment. And as they get older, I mean, if, if morning changes the evening or afternoon or a weekend or whatever, I'm going to build the life that I want. And, you know, it's that whole, that analogy where I, I forget who it was. It might've been a university professor, but it was like the stones and then the pebbles yes. and then the sand. I, yeah. I know you put the rocks in first, then the gravel, right. then the sand, and then the water and it fits. And if you do it the opposite way, you put the water in first, you get some, some sand in there and forget about the rocks and the, and the, and the, the rocks and the gravel. I, yeah, yep. I forget who that was too, but I actually quote that all the time. <laughs> so I, I really, I really should know who that was. You know, you reminded me of a moment with my son. So we were, uh, my son was playing ba- uh, baseball and then we would go to every practice and I didn't even realize it that we were the only parents at practice. Everyone else dropped their kid off at practice and they left, you know, they went and you did like their time or whatever. Yeah. And we're sitting in the, in the bleachers watching practice. Like it's a game. And I also went to the games. Right. And so, and that was a big thing for me because my dad wasn't in the stands, you know, he was at work all the time. So, you know, I wanted to be that dad. And then it didn't dawn on my wife and I, how weird it was. I mean, it wasn't weird to us, but we get in the car maybe halfway through the season. And my son is in the back and he's like, Hey, um, one of the kids asked me why my parents are at practice. He didn't realize it was weird either. He, the the (laughs) other kids were like, what the heck's wrong with your parents? Why are they here at practice? Cause none of their parents stayed. It was like this weird moment. He's like, is it? uh, And then he, it was like this weird moment in the car. He's like, is it weird that you're at practice? You know, none of the other kids parents. And I was like, is it weird to you? And he's like, I don't care. And I was like, okay, well, if you don't care, then we'd like to keep being there with you. And he's like, okay. So then we did it. But it was like, I, it took that moment for me to realize, oh yeah, we're the only ones. <laughs> well, dude, imagine, I mean, gosh, that's, that's going to stay with him forever, forever and ever. Even if, it, even if the memory isn't something that he necessarily calls to mind, like consciously, there's this subconscious neuroassociation that he's built. And I, I was, my dad didn't show up to a lot. I know he loves me, right? But just whatever happened, there was some. There were other priorities, right? And, and that were grateful. Yeah. I mean, my dad was working to make money for the family. I mean, you know, like yeah. I am grateful for what he did. But there's still that little boy in you that's like, oh, I want to play catch with my dad. You know? Yeah, yeah. I my my son, who at the moment he's five, so he'll get there. He's not he's not super athletic yet, and he's still kind of figuring himself out. And he scored the game winning goal. And like just watching that happen, especially because he had this like this growth trajectory and being able to be there. Nuts, man. It was like it was like the coolest thing. And and I remember not the exact same situation. I was a little bit older, but I remember like performing in a way and wanting to look out into the stands and there's nobody there, you know, and and you pretend like it doesn't matter because you're a kid and that's what you do. But I'm 36 years old and I'm talking about it. Right. You know what I mean? So I clearly it planted a seed. And dude, I've got some non-negotiables now. I'm a part, do you know what War Room is? Are you part of uh, I know. War Room? I, yeah, I know War Room. I've never was a part of it, but I know of it for sure. I've been, you know, I've, I toy, toyed with jumping into it. I've had, I've been spending so much money with different coaches. Like I was like yeah. capped out, but you know, you never know what year I'll, I'll show up there. <laughs> dude, so first of all, it's not to plug it because I'm not an affiliate or anything, but it's amazing. Like just mind blowing mastermind, super expensive but worth it. So, you know, in the profit levers, like absolutely worth investing in. Totally. And, and the reason I bring it up is because I, I'm a new, newly indoctrinated member of War Room and you get to meet with these guys four times a year and that's it. Well, the April meeting, which is coming up here, is on my son's birthday. So I'm showing up, it's a two day event. I show up on the first day and then I'm flying out at five o'clock in the morning and I'm going to be home before he wakes up yeah. and I'm missing, you know, half of, of the April event. And, and that's just is what it is. And, you know, he's, he's going to be four and maybe he'll care and maybe he won't, but I get to say never missed a birthday, never missed a game, never missed, you know what I mean? And, and it's just worth whatever, whatever opportunity I miss out on, whatever deal would have might've been done, whatever person I might've met, you know, like it's not more important than my kid. And that was a tough lesson to learn. And I, and I wish I learned it sooner, but I'm actually kind of glad that I'm out ahead of it. Cause they're still you know, young gone, gone longer. Yeah, exactly. They're still young. Like I have to live with that. Like that TV show I was talking about my son, you know, was a little bit older. And one time this is years ago, I was like, Oh, remember when dad was working on his TV show? He actually said, Oh, the time you abandoned us. 
<laughs> Dude, kids just have what a sense they have. And, wow, and I have to, I know, and I have to, that's there, you know? And yeah, luckily, I, luckily, I've been there in other ways, and, and hopefully that's faded away. And I think it has. Like, we haven't talked about that in years. It's a whole different life. But he's my oldest, so he remembers yeah. the old dad. My girls don't even know. Like, my youngest. You know what though, brother? He wouldn't say that if he wouldn't he wouldn't joke that way if it actually if he held it against you. You know what I mean? I think you can only joke that with somebody really, really close to in love. Like there, there you have to have a connection to say something he, like that. He knows. I mean, he knows what I went through and when we're and we're pretty open about life. And so it's yeah. been a lot of learning. But I can look at my youngest, she has no idea what life used to be like. You know, yeah. she just knows me as the dad that's always around. I mean, my yeah. life changed so much. My wife had a conversation in the car with me. We we're on a road trip once and the kids fell, fell asleep in the back. And then she's like, is everything okay? You're, you're home a lot. Are we, are we okay? Are we going to keep having enough money? Like what's going on? I was, I was like, no, we're, we're making more money. I mean, that's the craziest thing, just like you're saying. And maybe we could come to this is that, you know, as I shifted my life to what I wanted, and then I really focus, like you said, where focus goes, energy flows. Right. And so I, I wish I would have known that sooner, but I also don't regret anything because I wouldn't be the teacher that I am now if I didn't go through that. I've seen the yin and yang. I've seen the contrast. That's why this show, More Business, More Life, exists. If it was, if it was easy from the beginning, I wouldn't even be doing this. But many of us, like we're talking today, we've gone through that other way to, to now. And then we had to rework our, our marriage even. We had to re-figure mm. out how to play together because... I started uh, being on more. And the craziest thing is, like you said, more abundance came into my life. You know, I'm making smarter decisions. I have more clarity. I mean, so let's even go there for you. Like, so now that you've had this transition, you know, you know, what other changes have you seen in, in yourself as you've opened up more space in your life? So uh, well, I've, I'm clinically diagnosed with shiny object disease. Yeah. And uh, that's part of, you know, the, 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 the issues that I faced in the past. And this happened two weeks ago. Really brilliant entrepreneur who's famous in his space. He's the world authority in X came to me with an opportunity that, that I actually jumped at. I was like, Oh, here are the things we can do. It's going to be amazing. This is exciting. So I started, and he gets his business partner on the line and these, they're, they're two standard deviations higher tier than I am entrepreneurially. Like I'm flattered to even be in the room. Right. And I get off the call and I, it, I, it took until I got home to realize not doing that. Huge opportunity. It would take a couple of years to make manifest yep. and uh, just not doing it. And so I, I shot him a really kind, really honest email, made a very strong referral to somebody that I knew would do a great job. And what's nuts about it is I could tell from his response that he really respected it. And then, and then his, he came back with like, well, we're going to find the thing that we can work on together. And so that story is not over yet, you know, but like it just helped, it helps to focus because nothing's worth compromising what I've got now. Yeah. Yep. Those years are past. We've, we, we yeah. you've done that. I've done that. I, I remember the moment of the first huge deal. So like at this, uh, you know, many years ago now I had similar situation. I had made this new plan in my life. And then a guy, a friend of mine called and he was doing a deal with a billionaire and it was bona fide. I like searched him up. This guy's billionaire built all these businesses, just had exited like a year before of, of, of his biggest deal of his life. And now I was looking at the next big thing. And it was, it is a big thing and it, it's something I, I won't mention it, but it's out there. And they wanted me to come in and be, uh, you know, the strategist around marketing and be a partner and, uh, when I hung up the phone after the first conversation, I just got, and I was getting quicker and quicker on my instinct. I got like, no. Mm. And you know, the thing that I noticed, and I got this from Michael Singer. I don't know if you ever read that book, The Surrender Experiment. So I had just read oh. that. And that book says that in our life, what happens is we get a no on something and then we convince ourselves of a yes. We walk through all mm -hmm. the reasons to say yes. Oh, they're a billionaire. Like, how much can I learn? I was in the same place. You. How much can I learn from these people? Like, they're way beyond where I am. But then, uh, but I got a no, and I needed to respect that. And then, it, then a lot of times in our life, we get a yes, 
And then we talk ourselves out of it. And that whole book is uh, this guy, Michael Singer. If you read that book, it's phenomenal. But he, uh, and I have no affiliation with them, but it's just a phenomenal book. But he went from almost giving up on life. He had just gone through a divorce, all kinds of things to becoming a billionaire. And he, mm-hmm. he did one thing. He like meditated and the first answer he got a yes or no, he just followed it. Even if he didn't want to do it, even if he like, wow. t- he just went with it. And then he built a billion dollar business that became WebMD, And then he gave away all the money and now teaches people how to meditate in Florida. That's all he does. He like built a temple to, you know, honor all religions and just bring people together. And so just an amazing story. And so I had just read that book and I got a no. And I was like, damn it. I was like, really? Like, no, like I want to do this deal. And I was like, no, I got to know. So I said no. And then I got so many phone calls from my friend. Like, what are you doing? This is the biggest mistake. We're going to, this is, these are billionaires. We've got to do this deal. And I was like, I'm out. You can. And he did. And then I watched for two years of all the work and the misery yeah. that they went through. And it was going to become a business, which it did. It became a bona fide business, but they worked their butts off. And I was like, oh, that's why my body said no, because that's not, for me right now my my thing is being yeah. a dad right now you know so good for you man that's awesome well and you're doing it too like it's so awesome to see you and we've connected like little bits over the years but just watching you go from where you were like you know that's why i think that's why we connected so quickly because i think we're we're two peas in the pod we both have young guys with a ton of tenacity. Let's start a bunch of businesses. Let's go. I lost over $4 million in my 20s. Like, you know, just like things. And I was, by 31, I was depressed. I was like, what a loser I am. You know, I lost all this money and then was meeting my coach. He said, who loses millions in their 20s? I mean, come on. And then that's where gratitude came. And that's my tagline now. Choose gratitude, create freedom. Because it is in all those things that didn't work out that bring me uh, to now, you know, and, and, you know, just, this has been a beautiful exploration and I, I, we're not the only entrepreneurs that have gone through these things. So I guess I'm curious if somebody's out there and they're working like crazy, what's the first step? Like when, you know, and if there is, or if there's one or two quick steps as we, you know, we're drawing near the end of the show, but what are the couple things that you would suggest to make this pivot or how did you make this, this pivot smooth for you? Or maybe it wasn't smooth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was. So some of it happened accidentally. Some of it happened intentionally. And there were elements of it that really hurt. Um, one partnership in particular that had to be discontinued was someone that I, I care for to this day very deeply who still kind of won't talk to me. Mm. Um, good dude. If I call him up, he'll answer the phone. But it's, it's very polite. And he actually still speaks really positive. Lovely. My, my, my little brother went out to dinner with him not too long ago and he was very kind, very gracious, but I can just tell he's hurt. Right. But I, man, it, it was, it was him or everything else, you know? And so, and it wasn't even me necessarily breaking off our business partnership is I just couldn't be in that business. Um, and so I think if you're in that situation, no matter what, it's going to hurt. And it's probably better to have a clean break, you know, clean wounds heal the fastest. And stringing it along is actually worse for everybody involved. So my experience has been that the the commitments that are the hardest ones to give up are the ones that involve people that you're really attached to. Respect and honor their feelings. But know that if you're already not in it, you're not going to, it's not going to change. You know, like three, six, nine, 12 months from now, all that's going to happen is that relationship's going to atrophy. And then you're going to start to resent people too, because, and they won't even know why. You know, it's, it's not their fault. So I think do what you have to do without don't be foolhardy, but in a safe and respectful way, rip the bandaid off. And so I think that's number one. And the number two is honor your mistakes. I, I, I self-deprecate a lot, which a mentor of mine has told me that I should stop doing, but it's actually a way for me to, I'm, I'm kind of celebrating those things because the things that I've learned from, and we're all the same way, the things that I've learned from are the failures. You know, it's like, there's, I've learned very little from success other than I really like it. But, you know, like every time I fall and I, I land hard, there's something comes out of it that I just, I couldn't have gotten otherwise. And I think if I were talking to me five years ago, there were failures that were just waiting. They were just sitting around waiting for me to learn from. And I was just too bullheaded to like, to look at them. And like you said, kind of meditate on it and really figure out what it is that that, that means. So I, I don't know how that lands, Steve, if that's yeah, a good Yeah, no, answer, but, but I think it is good. And I definitely can relate. Like, I mean, remember I said that when I left my TV show, it took me all day to do that one thing. And that was because other people were involved. Yeah. 
hundred percent. And I drag my feet in other businesses because other people, but you know, in the end, almost all of those, the people, even if it took years, they, they called me back. And one of them, it was, it was so much money. It was like hundreds of thousands. I mean, it was, it wasn't like millions, like some of the other projects, but it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. And of course they're going to be upset, especially when money's involved right. and you're helping them make money. But in the end, we have to do what we have to do to do the best. And so I, I've created a saying in my life to kind of piggyback on what you're saying is that I'd rather people, people be upset with me now and happy later then happy, <laughs> happy with me, then happy with me now and upset later. Because who am I going to be if I'm the miserable person in the partnership and, uh, and, or if I just stop showing up, that would be worse if we didn't say, cause you're actually honoring the relationship by saying, I can't do this anymore rather than just being a bad partner. Like what if you stop showing up just so you could be with your kids and you kind of right. like, you know, don't honor it. So you're, you're like an all in guy, which I love about you. So if you can't be all in, you have to exit. Yeah. I love that saying, by the way, I'm going to steal that from you. That's really brilliant. Go for it. You know, I, how, you know where I figured it out from marketing, because how many times as a young marketer, I would say yes to a client when I know the marketing thing wouldn't work. And then it yeah. bit me in the butt because I just wanted the deal. And that was the stupidest right. thing ever. And I, my biggest campaign that actually helped me become a speaker was this, it was so close to not happening. Uh, it was the stolen NASCAR. We did 44 million impressions in three weeks, 3 million unique visitors to the client's website. They ended up tripling their income in 12 months. And it was the moment where I finally became so dominant in my decision on that. They wanted to change the campaign from how we were proposing it. And I said, oh, well, if you want to do it that way, I would find someone else. And they were shocked. I mean, this is a big yeah. deal. And I was like, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't know how to do it the way you're asking. The way that I proposed, I believe I can do it. I didn't even think it would be as big as it got. Uh, we were the number yeah. six viral ad in the world when that when that hit. No we way. beat Disney and Levi's that year. It was it was gigantic, and it wouldn't have been. I was this close. They, the the owner of the company walked out of the boardroom. He was so pissed off at me. <laughs> and and that, that was uh, it was a family business. So the three sons said, "Steve, wait right here." And he basically went in. The, they went in the hall, and their dad said, "Go ahead. If you want to waste the, your money with this guy, this will be a lesson for all three of you." Because it was three sons that why not to do this deal? And so he basically gave the sons the blessing to do it, so it would be a learning lesson. He was so sure that it was going to fail, and the sons said thought the opposite, and so they went ahead with me. And the coolest thing was after the deal happened. He was my biggest fan. Like he came up and actually yeah. apologized. He shook my hand, looked me in the eye and he said, I don't think anybody could have pulled that off like you did. And, uh, and that's where, again, I'd rather, that was where that, this came from. He was pissed. Yeah. He was so mad at me, but I'd rather him be mad at me now and happy later. And that's what I got because I had already done it a dozens of times where I made people happy and then they were mad later because it didn't work. I'm writing this down as you and I talking to shit. I get it. <laughs> It's a, I have, I always have my notepad here too, brother. You never know. Yeah. Like these you conversations know. are not just for the audience that we're speaking out to. This is for us too. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. Like, uh, you know, I think what it boils down to everything that you just said was doing it for you. And I think, you know, we have to honor ourselves, you know, like deciding who to partner with and all those things. And even though it might be hard on the other, per the other people in our lives to make these transitions, if we don't, uh, you know, that business went on that one with the billionaire, they, you know, there's mm -hmm. other people out there. They went on. I didn't stop them from having success, but I would have been miserable. Right. Yeah. I had, so not anywhere near that scale, but I had a similar experience and the partner that I needed to extricate myself from the unspoken theory from both of us was this is going to tank the business. You know, I was the brains. He was sort of the face in the engine. And his whole thing was, you know, can't do this without you. And that kept me in there for years longer than it should have. And when I finally jumped, what's funny is he's crushing it. He's doing great. And, you know, um, I should have relinquished a little bit of my self-importance and realized other people can do this job. And, you know, I can help you find that person. And I would have been doing him a favor had I done it sooner. And yeah, you know, if I had, I approached and maybe just been more honest about Cause I kept saying like, you know, Hey, can you meet nights, weekends, this, that we need to do this deal. Let's fly to San Diego. And I'd be like, yes to everything. And not even really giving him a sense as to how much I felt like I was sacrificing. So when I finally did pump the brakes, it, it came as quite a, a shock to his system, which was my fault. <laughs>
And it was my fault for not realizing that I was feeling that way. Right. And, th- and kudos for taking ownership of that. You know, that's where we're real in our relationships. And I, I created a program called Wow Team uh, with it. So I have more business, more life. And then I have all these wow methods, like, you know, wow clients, wow team. Yeah. How do we create all those things? And one thing that I do when I have a relationship, like if I was working in that with you, I, I always ask, what is, you know, we have to have regular talks and once a year is not enough, you know, it could be quarterly or whatever, but more often than not and finding out what it is that you want and what will having that do for you and what are your challenges. And I think to have a good team, we need to ask ourselves those questions. And if that would have happened, maybe you would have been able to be more transparent sooner. And I know now just from hearing you, you always are going to do that from now on. But again, it goes back to that youngness that we were like, oh, I don't want to rock the boat. And this is, you know, we see these opportunities, which, you know what? I know you probably would say, I mean, you can say to this, I mean, there's so many things to be grateful for, for all those, those moments. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everything that I've learned up until now, I wouldn't have if I didn't do that. So, you know, I, I don't know that I would change anything, but yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. It's so, it's so good. It's, it's an amazing exploration. And you know, the thing that I'm most grateful for is the contrast. I mean, Mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever really would know how good we have it if we didn't go through everything that we went through. You know, I, I mean, think about it. If I was, if everything went fine and I had all this family life and all this abundance in business, I would be looking at every other business owner as like, what's your problem? Like, what's wrong with you? Right. Like, I mean, you know, like I, I wouldn't, you know, so I'm, I'm so great. And this is the reason we have this show because it's, it's not just me. It's like all of us having this thing. And by you sharing these stories and us swapping stories, we are uh, helping others. And I just don't really believe that we all have to go through pain every day. Like, I agree with you. Like you said, we learn a lot from our painful moments, but we also can learn from when it's not so painful, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a friend and mentor who talks about mining other people's pain the way that you mine gold, he goes, you don't need to go through a painful experience to learn from it. Most people end up doing that, but you can actually mine other people's pain. And it's been a really interesting concept that I've been toying with, especially as I read. Yeah. I'm really obsessed with like historical fiction. I love US history. I'm related to Thomas Jefferson. So I, I just got a really big kick out of that. And you can look at these people as sort of like just static avatars that did what they did. Or you can, if you're able to humanize them, then the learning really begins. Because you start to like really dig into the things that they've done, you know, wrong and things they did right and things that they might have done differently. And, and I just like that concept of mining pain. It's it's so beautiful. It, you just reminded my first kind of mentor who didn't even know he was my mentor. He said to me something very similar uh, and I'll never forget. It's one of those moments I'll, I'll never forget. And I rarely ever talk to this man anymore. Like we've kind of went different ways in our life. But at 19 years old, he looked at me and he said, Steve, he said, smart men learn from their mistakes. Wise men learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> and I was like, that is. Yeah. And so it just made me the curious young man, uh, you know, that that's led to here. This is. Yeah. This has been uh, so amazing. I, I, I knew this conversation would be amazing, and I'm so excited to see where you go next. I, I think you, you know, you're a really smart guy, brother, and you're an amazing dad. Being there and playing soccer with your kids every day is so beautiful. I can't wait to see the next thing, you know, for you and have another conversation. And uh, thank you so much for taking time to share your story with my audience, and and I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. This has been a blast. It's my pleasure. And if, if you like this or if you want uh, to ask more questions, how do people find you? Like, what's the best uh, place that we could put in the show notes for them to, if people had further questions or they wanted to reach out? I'm pretty visible. I'm also maybe the only costume that you're going to find yeah. this side of the pond. Right. But yeah, right. my, my website's uh, sol8.com, okay. sol8, the number eight. And yeah, track me down. Happy to answer questions, engage. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cosm is not your uh, typical name, right? So that, that, (laughs) that, that works out. So, uh, so beautiful. And it's easy to remember too, because when I try to remember your name, but I'll never forget when I met you, you're like, it's like awesome with a K Cosm. 
Yeah. My dad wanted me beat up in high school and that's how he went about it to get beat up. I wonder, cause you know, my, uh, and I know we're like over time, but so I'm going to wrap us up here, but my name's Steve and my wife's name's Jen. And then we named all of our kids unique names. Uh, and I was wondering the same thing. I said, they're either going to love us or hate us, but both my wife and I, we got tired of everyone. Like, it's like, Hey Steve, this is Steve. You know, how many times yeah. that I have to do that, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's, uh, it's so beautiful. Well, everyone out there, comment on this. Let us know what you, what was the greatest value from this show? If you have any further questions, you can, you know, get a hold of either one of us. And uh, as always, until our next show, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenopleton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.